Test, test, one, two, one, two, checking the old microphone. Hello, hello, bye. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> so hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we're going to be looking at the NFC South preview and we're also going to be looking at the NFC West preview, Fitz's boys. But beforehand we're also going to have a look at some of the news from around the league over the last week or two. Alright, so hey guys, uh, Connor here, we've got Harry. Hey, how are you? And we've also got Fitz. Hello. So lads, what's crack? How are you getting on? Tipping along, I've been finding myself playing a lot of board games recently. Yeah. And yeah, it's just fun. Do you remember that uh, Dogs of War one? Yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah, it was good crack. Yeah. We played it the other day. We did, yeah, I've been playing that a lot recently. Uh, the guy who owns it sort of left it at my house and it's become the uh, kind of go-to place to do it. It's, if anybody's uh, listening into that, is into that kind of thing, it's called Dogs of War. I uh, don't know if it's particularly widely available. You can get it online, though. It's very, very good fun. But it's uh, a bit uh, a bit head-wrecking to set up. Yeah, this, the setup on it was a bit confusing. But once you get playing, it's fine. Uh, once you get a better idea of what you're up to. You but see if, how long it takes to put it away at the end. Like. Oh, God, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even want to. All right, yourself, Fitz, how's yourself? Yeah, getting on well. Just tipping away, watching the uh, old Euro Championships, getting into the business end of that now. Yeah, it'll be interesting enough. I... Uh, I have a very in-depth. So I've got a I've got a fantasy team put together for it. We we tried to set one up in the in the pod and work for the few of us who were there. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> so there's four of us in the pod. And two of the lads went to the Euros, so um, <laughs> one of them went on holiday at the same time. So there's only me and one of the other fellas actually got teams set up, uh, and I have no idea about soccer. So uh, I keep using one of the other fellas to be like, okay, so. Is this player still in the Euros? He's like, no, no, they're gone. I was like, okay, so I need to trade him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I suppose it's been interesting enough. We, as, as we predicted in the last pod, there's a lot of bits of news that are very much off-season. Oh, God, why do these news stories happen all the time? Uh, stuff. Uh, I suppose we'll kick off with the big news. Uh, Andrew Luck has now got the biggest contract handed out to a player in the NFL. Uh, $140 million, $87 million of that guaranteed. Six-year contract. Comes out, I think the first couple of years are about $25 million a pop. Uh, seems like a relatively okay contract in my mind, um, especially given the fact that the, the cap is going to increase significantly over the next couple of years. Like, I suppose I'll come to you on this first, Fitz. What's your take on this contract? Is it worth it? Yeah, like I think the major thing that the Colts were looking for was security. They want to go, okay, Andrew, look at our quarterback, and we're building around him for the foreseeable future. It's obviously a gamble. Obviously, he could come down with injuries. He was very he got his injury prone last season. But if you look at the raw talent and the amount of investment that they have in him as their quarterback, it's a relatively fair deal. Like quarterbacks, in real realistically, are underpaid. It's just the cap basically forces their amount down. So there's never really an overpaid quarterback in an absolute sense. But from a cap perspective, I think they should be able to handle this. Whether you know they'll be able to put together the offensive line necessary to keep him safe is another question. Yeah, now they have seemed to have done a bit of focus on that with the like first round of the draft this year and stuff. They do seem to have finally gone, ah, maybe we should protect him, maybe we should get rid of him from that rhetoric they had previously of, we don't have a line, but we haven't had a line the whole time he's here. Surely he should have been able to adjust by now. Um, but when you put this kind of money into that position, you do need to protect it. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, I think that's, that's a reasonable call. I mean, you look at where the market is, you look at what quarterbacks are worth in general. You look at Andrew Luck being the absolute future of that franchise, and that's the intention day one since they drafted him, and he was as good as they hoped he was going to be. You need to pay the money for your best players. He is far and away 
not only obviously one of the most talented players on that roster, but he is the most important player in Indianapolis. Now, it's obviously a different type of player, but he's going to be their Peyton Manning in that sense. Everything in that franchise is going to be built around him and giving him a platform for success. So you, you do what you can to tie him down. Now, I don't agree with Ronan that there aren't overpaid quarterbacks. I mean, could throw a few names out there like uh, Jay Cutler, Joe Flacco, <laughs> or Ryan Tannehill might be a little bit overpaid at this point. But um, with luck, like they've had a few years out of him. They know he's good. Yeah, there are some health concerns, but when he's good, he's very, very good. He's got still when potential he's bad, to get he's rotten. Well, when he's, when, he's, when he's bad, his kidneys are lacerated and he's lying on the turf dying slowly. Not so lucky now, are you? <laughs> well, it was, it was still less sad than uh, when it happened to Hasselbeck, but his ceiling still hasn't been reached, they feel, obviously, which is fair. Um, there's definitely things he can improve, and he's already very, very good, so it makes complete sense to put the money into it now, time down, lock it up, be like, right, and now we're going to work to build something around him, and hopefully for them, they can actually start getting the pieces in place on the defense, on the O-line, in the run game, to give him that platform for success. Yeah, so Andrew Luck, lots and lots of money in the bank. Uh, he was also, he was asked, what's he going to spend it on? And uh, now he's not exactly the flashiest man in the world. Apparently he said uh, he's contemplating buying one of those robots that, uh, you know, the ones that return ping pong serves to you? No. So he can play... So you can play ping pong on your own, uh, which says to me, one, that's kind of cool that robots do that, and two, you have a sad life with no friends. Ah, here now. Speaking of the Rocky Four robots, yeah, it's happy birthday, Polly. (laughs) It's no, no, no. I play, I play play a lot of ping pong at work, right? Because I don't do any work. (laughs) If anyone's listening from work, uh, yeah, you know, you know, I don't share this on Facebook. Yeah. That be no. That's a great way to practice, though, because if everyone, you, you know, people who are way better than you, it's really hard to step up by playing them. If you've got a robot that can do it, Andrew Luck's going to secretly train the summer. He's going to come in to training camp. He's going to destroy everyone at ping pong. It's funny though, you know, like if you're starting quarterback, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to beat him per se. Apparently, um, Danny Amendola was telling people that he was really afraid when he first came into the England Patriots because he, like, Tom Brady asked him to play ping pong and he knew he was better than Tom Brady. He's like, shit. So apparently by the end of the game, Tom Brady had smashed the ping pong ball racket and it was totally pissed off with him. That sounds like Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah. Ping pong's a big thing, actually, down New England. Uh, Julian Edelman does this sort of charity ping pong tournament and all the players come and play. So they're pretty into it. It's a fun game. Fun game. <laughs> and low, low risk of injury, particularly compared to... No, of course. Football. I don't know if Tom Brady's pelting a racket at your face. So like, oh, that's true, that's true. Uh, the other major news before we get to any of the really dodgy off-season stuff is... Uh, we saw the passing of a very famous coach, Buddy Ryan, died. Uh, he obviously coached up the very famous Bears defense back in the day. Uh, went on to quite a long career as a uh, as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach. Uh, you know, basically famed for being an excellent coach, but uh, also a bit of a dickhead in in his personal life. I did like uh, his his philosophy as a as a as a coach was apparently he was it was in that era when quarterbacks were suddenly getting paid a lot of money and were very valuable and the pass game was coming good said look if this is the most valuable player on the field we are going to remove him from the field uh, so it was his 4-6 uh, defence just proceeded to crush people I believe they had was it two shutouts in the playoffs that year that they yeah. went on to win the Super Bowl like that's that's a transcendental level of a defence to be having uh, so obviously Great, great man. He's been out of the game now for a little while, though. Uh, do you have any any thoughts on him, Harry? Yeah, it's like you say. It was kind of about that hard nosed, very aggressive, get after the quarterback type of defense. I think the quote was, "The quarterback never completed a pass when he was slapping his back," mm-hmm. and that was the philosophy that was sort of instilled there. And I think sort of has had quite an effect on how the league is 
been shaped. I mean, just even in terms of the level of protection quarterbacks get nowadays, you probably wouldn't see quarterbacks getting as much protection if a guy like Buddy Ryan hadn't yeah. gone so far out of his way to get them uh, crippled. It's quite funny, actually, if you read his uh, his comments. I've read some, some quotes by him and stuff and doing all this, like looking back on his career. And one of the, one of the ones that really stuck out to me was that he said he just used to drop the... He never spoke to Mike Ditka. He just used to go and drop the game plan on his desk I ah, yes, said, I uh, that, yeah. said, I assume he never understood any of it. But, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, but no, it was it was genuinely like he ch- he's one of those players who sorry, one of those coaches rather who changed uh, changed the way the game was played. And you can argue that was for the better or for the worse, but it certainly has had a, a lasting legacy on the on the football league, both in terms of how defenses play and also in terms of how uh, quarterbacks are protected. No, of course, of course. And uh, what about yourself, Fitz? Yeah, like I think. You know, he, he's probably got an outsized, uh, relatively speaking, reputation because he's eminently quotable and obviously he's associated with what's considered one of the best, if not the best, defences in the NFL history. He's also left behind a significant coaching tree. Obviously, he's got the two sons, uh, Rex and Rob, but he's also basically responsible for people like Jeff Fisher and Jim Swartz being in the league as well. He's who we blame for Jeff Fisher. Yeah, well, you know, Jeff Fisher has done things uh, that weren't terrible. You know, his, his like he's he's left a large legacy, and I think his, the only black mark is that he he never really was as successful as a head coach as he was as a, a defensive coordinator. But uh, you know, it, like some like some people just end up being better in certain positions than others, and that's just the way it goes. No, of course, and I suppose that's the thing as well when you're talking about taking on a head coaching position. He had a massive level of disdain for offense, mm. so. Presumably putting him in charge of that as well is probably not the greatest <laughs> idea in the world. But yeah, so obviously pass away, uh, rest in peace buddy. So uh, we're going to fly through a couple of suspensions and then one or two news stories about pending problems that people are going to have. we got uh, Sheldon Richardson, he's got uh, one game suspension for speeding. Um, like that's relatively light. Do we think it's going to have much of an impact? No, it was a pretty light suspension. Like speeding probably undersells the fact that there yes. were minors... There were miners in the car. And, and a I gun, think. I think? Yeah, there was gun. Like, Jesus there was Christ. Armor. He was going was 100 a- and something miles an hour with a child in the back seat and the child could reach a gun underneath the uh, underneath the passenger seat or something. It was, yeah. All things considered, one game is lucky for him. Uh, and the Jets would be very thankful for that considering their current contract situation with Mo Wilkerson and whether he's going to show up. Yeah, of course. Season. Yeah, like that's, that's pretty much it. It's, not, it's only one game. It's a light suspension given the crime and it's... Well, crime, whatever you want to mm. call it, uh, transgression. And, uh, yeah, like, it's just one game, so the Jets are probably going to cope. Yeah, Johnny Football's got a four-game suspension for substance abuse. He doesn't even play in this league anymore and never will, so I don't care. Ronaldo McLean has got a ten-game ban for substance Ronaldo abuse. McLean. <laughs> <laughs> Rolando McLean. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still trying to learn my way through all these Euro 2016 players. I'm still stuck in the head. Uh, Ronaldo McLean, the Portuguese striker, has been suspended from the NFL for 10 games uh, due to substance abuse. Uh, this is a much more substantial issue. Uh, leaves problems for his team, what they're going to do uh, from this point onwards. Do we think this is fair? It's part of the drugs program. This is like not his first uh, misdemeanor here. This is, like uh, I think, his second or third offence. And the NFL, whatever its faults, has an incredibly harsh... Uh, punishment regime for this you know you get a couple of chances you're okay but at this point you know he probably should recognize that his career is on the line uh it's pretty bad for the cowboys as well because their other middle linebacker is sean lee who's made of glass yeah 
Like, this is going to have quite a big effect on their roster, whether they're going to hold on to him or not, and basically what they're going to do with things like that position, bit of pass rush, stuff like that. Because they've, 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 they've lost other other players this offseason as well, who, while not in the exact same role, were taking some of that job off off the hands of McLean. Uh, like, what do you think is the next step for Dallas now? Yeah, well, uh, look, I think McLean is probably going to get cut because he also decided to skip OTAs this year, so yeah. he hasn't exactly made himself popular down there. So I'd be surprised if they don't decide he's more trouble than he's worth. Average player, he's fine. He's not amazing. Um, he's not critical to the team. The problem, like Ronan said, is that Dallas, with Sean Lee's gone, Jalen Smith isn't going to play this year. Their linebacking core is, is now a huge question mark. So that's the thing there. It's like, who can, is there someone they can pick up on the market? Um, and if they can't, they might be forced to hold on to McLean, more or less out of just like a lack of options. But, um, you know, it's, it's a chance. You never know who steps up in these situations. We've seen it before, well, it where was... players get suspended, and there's always guys who are able to step in and fill the gap so hopefully for Dallas something like that will happen but this does sort of cast the linebacking core into a bit more disarray than it was already in it does but I always do think especially I think it's probably just because it's Dallas it was was it two seasons ago where we looked at it and we were projecting that Dallas would have the worst defense in the NFL and they stepped up massively with players we weren't expecting and people stepping in like it's something that can happen but I do think at least for now this is going to be quite a significant blow to their defense uh I believe four of their probably seven starters are now going to be out for at least the first four games in the front seven. So, yeah, maybe they can overcome, but I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah. Now, in terms of ones that we haven't had anything come down on yet, but these are the news stories that are going to be happening. So, Tavares Jackson was charged with aggravated assault. Uh, the old backup for the Seattle Seahawks pointed a loaded gun at his partner with a child in the house found with drugs as well. Not really a uh, an excellent scenario to uh, to happen. Now, Fitz, is this quote from his wife or his partner? Yes, this is apparently from her par- his, par- his partner. Is he saying, you better be accurate because you ain't accurate on the field, I see. <laughs> Like that is that, that's balls. That, that takes balls. Brass balls. I love it. Can like could the Seahawks possibly sign her instead? Because <laughs> that sounds like the kind of balls that will like make you an excellent member of the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Well, considering the other options they have, it isn't uh, out of the realms of possibility because the the like the favorite from camp was Trevon Boykin. Um, he was charged with December arrest. I think he managed to get off. Um, with just community service, but obviously it could some still of result it, in like NFL action beyond that of a game or two suspension. Anyway, someone with that background is a major question mark. So I believe they put in a waiver request for Connor Shaw in the new, like you know that could be news, I suppose. But uh, yeah. so that probably gives you an indication of like that they're not exactly sold on this backup situation and this arrest for Jackson basically puts them in a corner for that no of course yeah, but when you're picking up Cleveland's rejects that's probably probably a bad sign yeah um, yeah like this is just this week in NFL arrests is just the subtitle of the off season really isn't yeah it? essentially um, so we've got that we've also got uh, Dan Scooter has been charged with first degree battery uh, so we'll see what comes out of that as well that's a, that's a pretty dodgy one at this point because um, there's now questions about the police handling of the case not to say that we say this every time, but apparently, from what I gathered, um, the accusation is that he assaulted a woman, as players seem disturbingly prone to do, uh, put her face through a window. Um, the cops 
claim that she didn't have any injuries and didn't make any real complaints. So, once again, this looks like it's going to be an absolute clusterfuck. Dan Scooter isn't very good anyway. Uh, he was not good for the Niners. He was. They are probably going to cut him if this drags on any longer, I would say. Yeah. But uh, it's just depressing that, once again, we're here. Yep. Again, after a week. Oh, of course. Like, this is the thing. You've got this many people and you've got this many young, rich men who have grown up being superstars and not really having to do any real-life work. It, it can happen. Uh, it's just unfortunate that it does, and it does seem to be a thing of... Like, we've talked about it many times on this programme, but there just doesn't seem to be a change in the mindset really happening. That said, I know I've seen figures online saying that, like, there's significantly less of these incidents now than there have been in previous seasons, and that's always a positive. But the problem is always, is that actually that there's less of them, or is it more that people are being more savvy about keeping them under wraps and things like that? It's very... It's very hard to see these types of things where we can have four or five issues every single week happen and just say, well, it's going in the right direction. Like, it's very hard to put those two things together mentally. I think the problem is people have is, uh, the first thing you think, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, I think things are more public than they used to be. These things blow up with social media, with um, the race for content online. I think a lot of people's reaction, certainly my problem with it is, it's like, you have to look, could the league actually be doing more to help us get to a situation where these things are less likely to happen whether that be for whatever reason whether it be for the reasons you state or just for whatever like way they're advising players and whatever actions they're taking like the league could and should be doing more here like I think they can have more suspensions but I think you know as Connor points out there's a culture thing and the other thing is they're grown men they're going to do their own thing there's only so much the league can do they can suspend people they can do whatever and there's certainly been times where they've been lenient in the past. I think they are starting to like become much stricter on that. That is having an effect, but there's only so much they can do. These are adults. This is their lives. The NFL can't control them like uh, every time, especially off the off-season. Now, nobody's saying the NFL can control them. My, my point isn't isn't to do with the suspensions and the punishments. So there's certainly an aspect where it's good that the NFL is being more rigid. But it's in terms of, you know, when, when you look at the changes they've tried to make in terms of like the advice they give to rookies in terms of uh, lifestyle coaching in terms of the effort, the support for the teams and putting in um, co- like, like again lifestyle kind of things in terms of mental health stuff. The NFL needs to be, I think, more visible and more active in uh, being willing to throw funding and support at those things. That's that's kind of what what I mean by that. Rather than the retroactive, mm. what do we do once it's happened? In terms of contributing to try and change the culture in the league. Uh, and now yeah. the the only final piece, I suppose, on the news this week is. Uh, there's been a bit of a follow-up now on the Al Jazeera reports of doping that we had coming into and around the Super Bowl uh, period. So they're going to inter- the NFL is going to interview the four players who are named on the report. That's uh, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Mike Neal and James Harrison. I thought, but maybe I'm incorrect in this, that they also referenced Peyton Manning in this. Peyton Manning is yeah. no longer an employee. Okay, so, so they'll deal nothing with... Nothing they can do. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So that's why he's not on this list. Uh, so yes, they, is that they're going to I believe, I believe they've clarified that they will try and interview him, but he's under no obligation to actually agree to it. Yeah, until he decides to come back as a coach or something, probably. <laughs> um, that's true. They're looking to interview these people and progress it a bit further. Uh, James Harrison has come out and said, if Godell will come to his house, he'll let him interview him, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> brilliant from James Harrison. Let's not turn this drug investigation into a homicide. <laughs> <laughs> Realistically, there's not a huge amount on that apart from their 
finally following up on these accusations from several months ago. So we'll see how how, how that progresses. Is there anything you guys uh, want to add on the, that? The testing window for HGH is two days, so this might be a little late. Yeah. Uh, the NFLPA is extremely unhappy about this. I don't personally agree with them for being unhappy, but given the way the CBA works, given the way the relationship between the Players' Union and the league works, they have grounds for being unhappy with this, which is, is, a, is a problem with the relationship. It's a problem with um, the CBA as regards drug testing. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to come of this, though, as far as I can see. The, like, the window is way closed. The NFL aren't really that invested in getting... Like, can you imagine Clay Matthews? Yeah. Like, that would be bad for the league. They're not that interested in it, and the Players' Union want absolutely none of this to happen, so I just, I just don't see this going anywhere. Yeah, nor do I. What about yourself, Fitz? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything there. Fair enough. Well, if that's the case, then I suppose we're going to move on to our previews of the NFC South and the NFC West. (laughs) 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 So, uh, NFC South, boys, I suppose we'll kick off with the uh, Buccaneers here. So, Buccaneers, team in transition, uh, new coach, they've got a young quarterback. So, additions have been Robert Ayers, Noah Spence, Vernon Hargreaves. Uh, They've obviously... Ditched Lovey Smith and went with the offensive coordinator Cooter instead. Logan Mankin's gone. Bobby Rainey is gone. So this is essentially a semi-reboot of a team. They're hoping that the offensive coordinator and his chemistry with their young quarterback Winston will continue on and progress them further than they did last season. They've got question marks on their defense as to where the pressure is going to be coming from. Can these young players step up? Uh, will they be able to basically build a complementary defense to go with this young offense that they seem to have faith in? The move to keep Cotter or Cooter or however you pronounce that his surname, I'm never sure. What do you guys go with? I think it's Cotter. I think Cotter. Cotter, yeah. Cotter. <laughs> the original Dutch at Cotter. Cotter. <laughs> like, they obviously cut ties with Lovey Smith because they wanted to maintain this chap and they thought that he was going to be given a head coaching job elsewhere. They like what they've seen from him and Winston and expect that to progress. And I think that is essentially where this team kind of hangs this season. It's how well that goes and how much further that can progress. We saw a good first season out of uh, out of Winston last year. Places, parts of his game where he was making errors, but there's also parts that showed great potential. If they're correct in the idea of the chemistry between these two and giving Cooter, Coder, Cote the reins to be able to then have control over the entire team and build it around where he sees the strengths happening, then that could be quite beneficial to them. However, I think especially this early in the cycle, second year of a young quarterback, first year of a new head coach, I think it's going to be too soon for them to be able to make the strides they want, but I think they will probably have a relatively decent season. And like I said, at the end, we'll get to where we where we put their, uh, put their win-loss totals being. I'll go to you first on this, Harry. What's your take on the books? Uh, yeah, I think that's a relatively fair assessment. I mean, they're a young team, they're a talented team, they're in a lot of ways quite a raw team, playing in a relatively weak division uh, for the most part. So there's certainly potential for the things to go very right. There's also potential things to go wrong, but I don't think disastrously so. I think it's a good spot for a, a transition. Like I think they know they've got a little bit of time to work this out. The window is quite long at this point given the relative youth of a lot of their key pieces. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like there's talent there. I think they have certainly looked to address part of the problems they've had, like you said, pass rush, 
was an issue. That's why they brought in Spence to uh, take some pressure off uh, McCoy and Smith. Uh, Jack Smith actually had a surprisingly good season last season, so if he can maintain that production. The D-line's looking pretty good. The key pieces are still in place. You've got Doug Martin, you've got Mike Evans. You might have Austin Sperry and Jenkins, depending on what mood he's in this week. Um, uh, Cameron Brace, man. Cameron Brace. Yeah, well, yeah, the, uh, other, the other guy from Harvard. So yeah, like I think they're, they're, they're looking solid, and I think they're doing... They're not looking to blow it all up and smash it this year, but I think this is part of a slow building, addressing the things, perhaps even looking to do, I think they're looking to do some, the same sort of thing Oakland did, which is slowly getting the pieces to fall into place. Cotter remains a bit of a gamble, it's like, if he flames out, that's a problem, but I think there's this idea of, there will be stability, but there will also be something new. Also, the fantastically named, and this is actually my porn name, Storm Johnson, has found his way onto their roster, which I always approve of, because he's just got a... Great, great name. So I'm, you know, I'm not like super high on the Bucks, but I think it's going to be another solid season. I think we're going to see progress this season in terms of how they play, if not necessarily in the uh, overall record. There's definitely reasons to be positive about this team. Winston will continue to progress. Doug Martin will continue to progress. Mike Evans will continue to progress. And the defense is already like reasonably good. They're getting Quan Alexander back as well from his um, PED suspension, actually. So yeah, like I'm, I'm. Oh, and of course they've got that kicker. So what's not to like? drafting a kicker that early what about yourself Fitz what's your take yeah like I think like, that's, that's kind of the problem they're not they're, like they should be a, there should certainly be a much more interesting team than they are but I think there's kind of a feeling that a lot some of these pieces are just maybe a year off fully fitting into place they made quite a lot of changes this season they have a rookie head coach I think this season they'll do solidly but they won't quite have the quality to kind of break out from the pack in the NFC side uh, which I expect will be kind of clustered around, with the exception of the Panthers, in that kind of uh, six to nine win range. Um, but I think they'll have a promising season, and when you have a you know prospective franchise quarterback like Winston, you get a little bit more slack in terms of you know showing promise, showing progress, and you know like I think they'll continue the momentum that they have, but that they will still fall a little bit short of being a true contender for the uh, postseason. No, no, of course. So I suppose then, Fitz, what's your call on the uh, win-loss? So I have them going 7-9. Harry? I also have them going 7-9. I have them going 6-10. and 10. So we're all kind of in the same ballpark for it. I just have them hitting a little bit more of the downside than the upside on some of those games. Uh, the next team we're going to look at are the Falcons, perennially considered during the off-season and then perennially disappointing during the you know middle section of the season. They always tend to start and look good for the first two or three games and then fall to shite. So ins, Alex Mack at centre, Mohamed Sanu at overpaid wide receiver. <laughs> and, uh, Derek Shelley coming in. They've lost Roddy White, they've lost Paul Solai, they've lost Tony Moyaki. So I suppose like the, the questions are obviously, Atlanta, are they finally this year going to live up to some of the... Hype, I suppose, and hype, like hype is overly positive. The the expectations, the volume, <laughs> the, <laughs> like they, they they always they always strike as a team that should do better because Matt Ryan has shown he can be a very good player. They've got in theory a good wide receiver core. They've now got a very solid looking line. Like it's the kind of thing that you would expect them to do better. Um, than they do in general and I think we'll see that once we get to the the predictions which swing wildly in this scenario Julio Jones is still incredible their defence was quite poor last year like this is a team that we've seen take the mindset of we need to be hard hitting we need to be fighting and then telling players off in pre-season because they're fighting and hitting each other 
it's a team that's in some respects lacking identity for the last three or four years apart from those guys who should be contenders but aren't I think they're going to do okay but again just do okay they're not going to blow anyone's minds they're going to have a couple of games where they look great they're going to have a couple of games where they look terrible I think it's just that scenario of they've almost become stuck in a rut they're almost happy with the kind of okay seasons and almost their seasons that they've had for the last four or five years I think it's going to be much more of the same to be honest Fitz I'll go to you on these guys what's your take on the Falcons well yeah I think the major upside that you would have in the Falcons is whether Dan Quinn in the second season as head coach can start doing what he did in Seattle and putting together an elite defense they made moves like Derek Shelby underrated player for the Dolphins probably one of the steals of the free agency period they brought in Keanu Neal to be their Cam Chancellor type player in the from strong safety like they have made some changes now they are relying on some players like Rashid Hageman for example who have underplayed previously but they have put some pieces together and it's about whether that defense can make the next step because I think we we kind of know where their offense is it's like like it's definitely in the top half of the NFL but probably not top five like and they, they have enough question marks at tackle and a tight end that you don't really think they're going to move much beyond that but if that defense can start moving into that same kind of range as the offense, then certainly they have a chance of making a wild card spot in the NFC side, and they can make that leap to being a contender again after what's been a very fallow period for them over the last couple of years. Yeah, and Harry, uh, I I disagree. Um, insofar as what I think this looks like, I, I agree with your general assessment. I think the offense is is fine. Like, yeah, Roddy White was terrible last year. Let's not make any like Mohamed Sanu is probably a step up from last year's Roddy White. But it's not a replacement for Roddy White when Roddy White was good. They still have never replaced Tony Gonzalez, yeah. and they haven't really changed their game plan to compensate for that in a, in any way that's been like vastly effective. The offense is okay. Yeah, they've got very very good talented young running backs in uh, Freeman and Coleman. Uh, we haven't seen huge amount from Coleman perhaps as a big body work as Freeman, but. Both look very, very promising. Freeman obviously had a fantastic season last season, but the defense—I I, don't—I don't buy it. I, I'm not sure like strong safety was necessarily the big need there. Yeah, Shelby's like fine. He's good. I don't know if it fixes all the problems they've had on the line. Their linebacking core is still a problem. Like Vic Beasley is promising, and Paul Warlow works very hard. But unless these guys make a big, big step up, it's not going to happen. And I don't see this these guys making a big, big step up. And I don't see what the offense does outside of just hope Julio Jones can get out of triple coverage. Because I just don't think they've managed to replace the talent in the passing game. Because as much as their running backs are very, very promising and very look very, very talented, Matt Ryan is still the like he's still there to run the offense. And if he's got nobody to throw it to, this team is going to struggle. And I don't know if these pieces, I just don't see how they fit in. I don't, sorry, I don't think they're going to resolve those problems I think this team is actually going to genuinely struggle because I like unless this team can get a pass rush out and it hasn't I think made the moves to get that pass rush it's going to run into the same issues it did last season and that worries me for the Falcons now this is very much deep, one of those ones where I could be completely wrong because this is like what I think is going to happen based on my very subjective interpretation of the players that they've pulled in and of their scheme and how it's all fitting together it could click. It could gel. They could go on an absolute tear. We did see flashes of potential last season, but I'm just not convinced that this is going to move them forward, and I think they're going to have another season of struggle before they properly start ripping up that defense and saying, we actually need players that can get to the quarterback, and we need to spend money and draft high on players who can get to the quarterback, because that is this team's problem. Yeah. 
So with that in mind, Harry, uh, as they might be able to guess, how badly do you think they're going to do? I have them at 4 and 12. Ah, so probably in kind of top three, top four pick range. Yeah, where they want to be, to be honest. Yeah. What about yourself, Fitz? I have them going eight and eight. Ah, and I have them in the same kind of region as that. I have them going nine and seven. I have them winning one or two random games that they probably shouldn't. Like, yeah. Uh, win, win nine, lose seven. Like, win the first nine and then lose seven. <laughs> you know. God, yeah, we were playing that game last year. Who's going to drop off next? The next team are the team that were in the Super Bowl last year and lost. It is the Panthers. It's a team that obviously was a powerhouse last year. They have added in Kevin Benjamin coming back from his injury. Paul Solai is here, Vernon Butler. They've obviously lost Josh Norman to the racists. Jared Allen's gone. He's ridden off into the sunset, even though the sunset wasn't there when he took his video. Uh, so he just rode off on a horse. <laughs> and uh, Roman Harper. So there's a team that still maintained a lot of its players from last year, a lot of its quality. It's getting back Kelvin Benjamin, which I think is going to be a massive boon for them. Uh, he was an excellent player before he got injured. Hopefully he stays excellent. But uh, like they showed that they didn't need him to have success in the offense, he'll only add more to it now that he's back. O-line question marks are still there. It's whether or not they can find stability after another year. They've obviously got buy-in from the players, as we saw from most of the off-season storylines, where people taking pay cuts to stay with them and wanting to be part of what they're building there, which is good. Like I look at this as being a very strong team, a team that I don't think... Obviously, loss of, loss of Norman and some question marks in the secondary more so than there was a year beforehand. But I still look at this as a very strong team, as a massive contender. I don't think this is huge about more. I want to say, so I don't want to steal everything that you guys might chat about. So I'll fire over to Harry first on this one. Is this a team you still see in the same light, or is this a team who's going to follow the well the the, the numbers, the historical data shows us, and fall off massively after? I think they're still a strong team. I think obviously. With the exception of Josh Norman, um, they haven't lost anyone who they were like was huge. And obviously, like Allen and Harper were very, very useful players um, and sort of solid veteran contributors. But they weren't like central to the team. So yeah, Norman's a bit of a blow. But um, I think their plan is that Ben Wickery, who back from his injury, will will hopefully step up. We'll see how that works out for them. That is the the one question mark. But other than that, I think the team is still really, really strong. Cam Newton is still a fantastic quarterback. We can see him progressing every year. And like I, their assumption is, and I would be inclined to agree, that he will continue to play at a very, very high level. The O-line has been fine. Obviously got exposed in the Super Bowl, but I mean, th- that was against a historically good defense. It did the job for most of the season, and Newton can improvise somewhat. The run game is strong. They're actually going to have a number one wide receiver, which is really exciting because this team made the Super Bowl without a number one wide receiver. If Benjamin can stay healthy, he's a phenomenal-looking talent. So... Hopefully for them, he will come back in that kind of... After screwing me over in, like, three fantasy yes. leagues. <laughs> you drafted him quite high, didn't you, there? Oh, yes, and, uh, they've got class. <laughs> yeah, but they've got kind of guys who they'll be looking to sort of step into the roles. And I think that there is sort of um, an expectation that, particularly with, with the defensive backfield, which is the question marks, like, look, it, it's not going to matter a huge amount because they have so much talent in linebackers with guys, obviously, Luke Keekley um, and Davis, but then you've got guys like uh, like uh, Shaq Thompson, who's an incredibly mobile, agile pass rusher. You've Watch got, out for the uh, Shaq attack. Yeah, he's actually really small. <laughs> uh, he's very undersized, which is, is, is fascinating to watch him because he's just so quick and agile. He's very hard to deal with, despite the fact that he's, he's very small for a guy in his position. And you've got, obviously, then your Kwan Short, start off, uh, whatever. I'm not even going to try that guy. Star Lutalili. Star, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you couldn't pronounce Rolando, but you can nail that. 
Um, Ronaldo? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> You've basically got a lot of guys who can create the pressure, create the problems. So the, the problems in the secondary are, yeah, it might be a step down, but they were never over-reliant on them because of the way that their front seven can play. The offense has got stronger, in my opinion, with Benjamin coming back. There's a lot of guys there who are very good. We've now seen what Jonathan Stewart can do when he stays healthy for a year. It's very, very exciting for them. So, yeah, I think this team is going to continue to be one of the ones to beat in the NFL, and it's probably going to be as good as last year. And what about yourself, Fitz? Do you agree? Yeah, like I would agree broadly. I think this is still going to be a good team. I still think it's a Super Bowl contender and will almost certainly make uh, the playoffs from what's still a pretty average NFC side. My biggest issue is more of kind of like a broader issue about the culture and about the effect that the Josh Norman situation will have on that locker room. This is obviously a team that's built on a kind of edgy kind of like speak your own like speak your own voice type of locker room. But the problem is now is that Gettleman, their GM, has publicly come out during the offseason and said, like, agents, don't screw with me. Don't try and take money off me. I'm not going to be intimidated by you. The problem is that players, it's like with the Josh Norman situation evolving as it did, players are going to start asking, are we actually going to get paid to be on this team? Does this team actually value us as much as they say you do? The big contract situation coming down the road is obviously K1 short because he was a second-round pick, so he comes onto the free agency market next season. There's rumours that he's talking about looking for a Vaughn Miller money, J.J. Watt money, like uh, Sue money. So like when you have a situation like that and you have this many elite players who will basically be lining up for the next couple of years for their free agency money, you have to question whether Gettleman's uh, process so far and the way he treated Norman might have an unsettling influence during this season and the season coming after. The hope is that Ron Rivera can kind of keep it in-house and make it about the team again, but you do have to have worries about uh, a management system in place which will have players questioning whether the Panthers are a team that actually values the players in-house who are on that team right now. Uh, so I think it's a bit of a worry, which is why I have some doubts about whether they'll have the same kind of team unity which really pushed them on to be so effective last year. No, fair enough. Like That is that is a concern, although it's, the thing is it can cut both ways depending on whether... Because like, we saw we saw players this offseason take pay cuts to stay with the team. Uh, and we even saw with, uh, with with the loss of Josh Norman that he was he said like he fired his agent, he said, Look, I'll I'll sign the I'll sign the tag to stay and stuff like that. Like there is there there is a question of how, which way is that going? Is it that the players view it as they're not being valued, or the players view it as being this is the right approach to build a team rather than anything else? Now obviously some guys will take that different ways, and I think it's an individual player thing. But uh, you're, you're you're right; like that is something that will need to be seen at the end of the season, going into the postseason next year, and yeah, whether like, that affects the mindset of the guys playing for them. If you don't reward your own guys, I think that kind of set a precedent which is dangerous, and it's like that means that this like next off season might be even more critical than this off season in terms of how that will evolve. No, yeah, I think there's one, one caveat there um, that's important to throw out because it's an interesting point. Um, particularly in terms of down the line rather than so much this season. If you're Kwan Short and you're in a situation where you're like, I want Sue money, I want that, you know, I want JJ Watt money, you're going to play out of your skin. If you want to increase your value in free agency so you can push the team into giving you a better deal or just increase your value to the team, you know, there's an argument there to say that's why you want to play your best because it's a contract year. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. And like like you guys said, that could go that could go either way. And it could be that Ronan's completely right or it could be that, that Connor is right in that one. It's going to be interesting to see how that psychologically does and whether or not Rivera can keep a lid on any negative aspect of that. No, of course. So Fitz, what's your take on the win-loss here? 
I have them going 11-5 and five and winning the division. I have them going 13-3 and three and winning the division. I have them going 14-2, and two and they are my current pick to win the Super Bowl. Woot-woot! That'll be good fun all the way. Uh, the next team, final team in the NFC South, are the Saints, a team that was possibly the most confusing team last year to watch. Uh, they have a perennially... Pro Bowler, excellent quarterback in Drew Brees, most 5,000-yard seasons ever, who's currently going to cost them somewhere in the region of $30 million against the cap this year. Presumably now, if we're honest, on the downslope, although whether that is purely him or the fact that the rest of the team were hot garbage. <laughs> uh, they've added Nick Fairley, Kobe Fleener, Sheldon Rankins, they've lost Benjamin Watson, Jerry Evans, Brandon Browner. So on the plus side means there'll be less fucking flags in the secondary, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, like, question marks that we have for for this team. Uh, is the defence still going to be as terrible as they were last year? Rob Ryan is gone now. He's now going to be making Buffalo's defence terrible instead. So... How 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 different is this going to be? If I remember correctly, we, we don't know a huge amount about the chap is taking over the defense here, do we? No, it's it's not no one no one really significant. Yeah, like it's not really it's not really a big day deciding. So it's a question of is this going to be more of the same, a similar kind of scheme that's still not going to be effective, or is it somewhere someone who actually wants to make a mark and wants to make a change? So that's kind of a big question mark for us. Uh, obviously, Breeze was injured for a little bit of last year, has the ability we've seen to still make incredible throws. We saw that massively high-scoring game. Uh, it was 80 points scored. Uh, we thought it was going to be complete shite, and it was great. Like, it was still shite. Like, the defense was terrible, but it was great crack to watch. Um, like This is a team that is, again, kind of tottering towards do they need to just start afresh. When, you're, when you've got an excellent quarterback, it's hard to step away, but when that excellent quarterback is costing you 30 million against the cap, that's a sizable number for a chap who's had injury worries and is at the tail end of his career. They don't seem to have a huge amount in terms of surrounding talent there. Their defense was a hot mess last year. It's even, even things like they've got a stable of running backs where they could all be okay or they could all be crap, or one could step up and be massively good. You don't know, and it could end up in a similar to Philadelphia last year. Too many options, not sure what to do with them. Like, they haven't really made the big-scale differences on the defense that you'd kind of like to see happen here. Like, we've had what, Von Bell has been added in to try and help that, that secondary, but can he make an, an immediate impact? Like, I don't think they can at the moment, and possibly this will be the last season of them working as this unit who won a Super Bowl and still living off that kind of mindset. And maybe they'll be hitting reset after this season. Uh, but that's like that's where I see them at the moment. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, I think that's probably not wrong at all. With the defence in particular, which obviously is the place you need to fix, there's a lot of almost throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks at this stage. Mm-hmm. We've obviously drafted guys like, say, like Von Bell to try and sort that out, obviously, which is going to... Great, because you, know, you draft a guy in the same position as Jarius Bird, your expensive free agent bust from a few years ago, who's still on the roster, eating up cap space. They've brought Roman Harper home to try and shore up the try and shore up the secondary. James Laurinaitis has been signed. Um, like you said, they picked up uh, Nick Fairley. They drafted Sheldon Rankins. Like they're just throwing bodies into the defense at this point. And you know, some of them will stick. Some of them might stick. For them, obviously, more important the rookies doing the veterans. But it does seem like they've picked up every sort of sort of 
slightly over the hill veteran that nobody else is quite interested on on the mm. defense to lash them in there and see what happens. So I don't know, but ultimately it's going to come down to the scheme, how that works out. Without Rob Ryan, it could be a lot better, but it is concerning that the talent isn't necessarily going to be there. But we'll see We'll see who sticks. The offense is interesting. I think the running back situation is probably okay. I think we saw good things from both Hightower and Ingram last season. Uh, if CJ Spiller can get back to like even being just a passing down contributor, that's something New Orleans have been able to use very, very well. I think uh, he's going to be the returner as well. Oh, yeah, he's going to get broken then, so never mind. <laughs> and they've got Charles Cannon. He can catch the ball. So my question, really, to be honest with you, is about the wide receivers. Um, like Coleman looked promising. Brandon Cooks has looked promising. <laughs> Uh, it's still all a bit messy in there, though, so I'm not sure what happens in the passing game. But, oh, yeah, Kobe Fleener, and they were saying out of camp, oh, he's got the best hands you've ever seen. Like, it's Kobe Fleener. Like, he doesn't. You're just lying now, and everyone knows you're lying. Like, he's fine. He's decent. He's a solid route runner. He can catch the ball. Stop pretending like he's going to be, like, revolutionize your offense. So That lightning quick 5-2-40 speed. Yeah, like, I know, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's a downgrade on Ben Watson. Yeah. That is a downgrade on Ben Watson. There's no question about it. So... I'm not sure where the big improvement comes in, and it's, it feels like there's a lot of sort of hit and hope about this from New Orleans. Um, but again, a lot of this will come down to can they build a D scheme that actually works? Because they do have there's talent there. Can they put it together? I don't know if Sean Payton has lost it at this point or not, and I think this season is going to be the one that tells us. Yeah. No, fair enough. What are yourself, Fitz? Yeah, like I think like there's kind of a sense that they're trashing about a bit. Because this is a team, ultimately, that is in transition for a real sense because Bree's contract is hanging over this team. He's worth $30 billion on the cap this season. If he goes to free 30 agency... $30 billion? Sorry, <laughs> $30 million, uh, against the cap. If his contract goes to next offseason without a new contract being signed, to tag him, they'll need to give 144% of his current um, oh. cap hit. That's ridiculous. 44 what, 43 million odd? Something ridiculous Jesus like that. Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That basically means that they have to do a contract. But that that contract has not happened yet is an extremely worrying sign for this team. He was offering so, to do a contract in the off-season and he was very vocal about it. And it said that the he, he wanted to take... Because he's done these, these team contracts to lower cap hits and stuff. He wanted to do one which would be an extension deal and all that kind of stuff. And apparently they just were not talking to him about it. They they were not interested. I think they're in a similar spot of they're not sure whether they want to move forward with him. Exactly. This is a team which doesn't know where it's going right now. And that's reflected in what they've done this offseason in terms of their free agency splashes. Uh, like Nick Fairley, Kobe Fleener, these are like average players who could contribute to a winning team but aren't the basis on which you start winning like by themselves. And I think with Drew Brees being the situation as it is, and like he has given some help previously, but he is also been a vocal mem- like a vocal uh, member of the NFLPA talking about being underpaid or saying that he should get more money. He hasn't been afraid to get money as the Saints previously, so I don't think he's going to be that accommodating for a team which will probably need a fair amount of cap relief. Yeah, this is a team that doesn't know where it's going, doesn't know where it's going to be a year from now, and I think in a situation like that, it's very easy for this team to kind of sort out of control. Maybe if they get good momentum going, they have a chance to put together a good season. But this is definitely a team I could see quitting in like week 10, 11, when things haven't gone their way. Because they know, like this team, they don't know what they're doing next season. It's just kind of over for this team. No, of course. And with that in mind, what's your win-loss? So with that in mind, I have them going uh, 5 and 11. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, we're going to this is the final test of Sean Payton. I think he not only fails it, I think he bombs it. 4 and 12. 
Yeah, I have them a little bit more upside, but I think it's probably just I. I always harken back to the, just those enjoyable games. Like sure. I have them going seven and nine, and I was contemplating putting it higher because I I would like to see them put it together. So I suppose on to the NFC West then. Normally quite a competitive division over the last couple of seasons. Less so last year and probably increasingly less so this year. But we'll see. Uh, we're going to start off with the, the cream of the division, the 49ers. Uh, the Chip Kelly experiment rolls on into uh, into the bay. So we've got major additions to this team. Chip Kelly, DeForest Buckner, Joshua Garnett. Uh, they've lost Alex Boone. Anquan Bolden, although that's still up in the air. He's still a free agent at the moment. Uh, says he wants to go to a contender. Then why not the 49ers, eh, Harry? <laughs> uh, they also lost Reggie Bush. Big camp battle happening here now between Kaepernick and Gabbert. A player who doesn't want to be there and a player that shouldn't be there. Uh, so I so suppose the main, the main questions here are going to be, can Chip Kelly revitalise this team? Can he get something out of what, in my mind, is possibly the weakest roster in the NFL at the moment. Uh, they've got a historically terrible front office, very bad management. No one seems to want to get involved with them at all. They had a terrible season last season. Uh, bright sparks I can see in this team. Uh, they've still got a couple of linebackers left. Uh, their line is so-so. They might be doing some interesting things and not starting a quarterback and just running like straight wildcat or something. Bring back Jared Hayne. Yeah, like that's one of the things that I think is a potential here. Looking at their running back depth, uh, they've got Carlos Hyde, who could fit Chip Kelly's offense very well for the two games he has before he breaks. And then Jared Hayne, after failing to make the Fiji Sevens Olympic rugby team, will be brought in to start under centre in the wildcat uh, and darkness will reign supreme in the Bay Area. Well, uh, no, they'll bring back your guy, Sean Drone, you know. Oh, he's still there, he's still there. Sean yeah. Drone. He actually, to be fair, we were very surprised by Sean Drone last year in that he looked significantly quicker and less fat than he did. He, when went, he, he went forwards. Yeah. It's very exciting. He, clearly, he's just facing the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the trick with Sean Drone, like have him face the wrong way and then he'll gain yards. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, I do not see this being a good year for them. I see, like, Kaepernick doesn't want to be there. Gabbert shouldn't still be playing. They don't have strengths. Now, Harry, you're a lot higher on the 49ers than uh, than I am. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's only because you're, like, somewhere buried under the floorboards when it comes to the Niners. Look, here's, I think there is a reason to be positive, right? Because whatever you think about Chip Kelly, and we all have very strong opinions about Chip Kelly... He's not as bad as Jim Tomsula. Like, there is just no way Chip Kelly is as bad as Jim Tomsula as a head coach. It just... It isn't plausible. Like, Chip Kelly has whatever his problems... Yeah, he has a winning record as an NFL head coach. He is very successful with a um, admittedly limited way of being successful. But he has that. Whereas, last year, while they still have uh, problems with personnel, they still have the front office problems... It's unlikely that the coaching is going to be in such disarray as it was last season. So I think there is a reason to be positive, just on the basis of that, in that things literally cannot be worse than they were. I do agree that, like, Carlos Hyde is a guy who I think potentially fits Chip, the kind of scheme Chip Kelly runs very, very well. Uh, can he stay healthy is obviously the question. I think this is obviously going to have to be a run first team because their wide receivers are Torrey Smith and then I like the, the Jerome Simpson. I think is probably the second best wide receiver on the roster, and I didn't even know Jerome Simpson was still in the league. So make of that what you will. 
But I like I think there's this potential there. Yeah, okay, if Hyde goes there, right, drone isn't isn't very good, and then the next guy is Mike Davis, who has and I think has a career average of a yard and a half carry, which is great. So there there are problems. Like the O line is still probably fine. Uh they still have obviously Navarro Bowman, who's very good. Uh this team is weird, like when you look at the roster, because it's it shouldn't be as bad as it is, or as bad as it was last season. This is this kind of where my marginal positivity comes in for them, is that they didn't play up to their talent level, and while there are still gaping deficiencies when you look at it, there are guys there who are good and there are guys who are sort of been on the cusp of good but have never quite got there. And maybe just a change in scenery and a change in style and a change in attitude could help. Like guys like, for example, like Corey Lamonnier is, is a pretty good example of that. A guy who's been sort of never quite there but has the potential to maybe do so if the scheme fits him, if certain things fall into place. I think there's a lot of players like that on the roster. Um, one thing that I think, I just love this um, when we were looking at this, I didn't realise they signed Ray Ray Armstrong whose highlight reel is missing a tackle so badly he front-flipped over a scrum of three players who were all still standing up and tackling one of his own teammates. This is another uh, highlight reel play. So there are certainly problems uh, in terms of the personnel, but I do think there are players there who I can see fitting into Chip's, Chip Kelly's way of playing. I think Chip Kelly is going to be better than Tom Sula. I think they're going to get a little bit of stability in the organisation or even, even if it is temporarily before the wheels come off again with the way Chip Kelly did in Philadelphia. The problems haven't got worse, and there are more reasons to be positive. And that's the nicest thing I can say. Okay. Uh, that's very positive uh, for, for, for this team, I think. Uh, what about yourself, Ronan? No, they, they suck. They, they suck. <laughs> Huge amount of balls. Like, I won't deny, like, their defense has pieces there. I think, like, they picked up DeForest Buckner. They pair him with his old teammate, Eric Armstead. They have some other players on the defensive line that are okay, Ian Williams, Glenn Dorsey, and then the linebackers they have, uh, Ahmad Brooks and Navarro Bowman, if they, you know, don't get injured or don't don't have any suspensions and stuff like <laughs> that. Uh, and like they have like and Jimmy Ward, and Eric Reed, like and Tremaine Brock and Antoine, uh, Antoine Bethia, these are all okay players in the secondary as well. But the offense is just offensively bad. Like you have two quarterbacks. Neither of which should really be starting at this point. You have your crappy running... Like, you have Carlos Hyde, who hasn't really proven himself at all. He's got a lot of hype. Like, a lot of fantasy hype last offseason. Didn't really... Hasn't really done that much. And is made of glass. And then you have, you know, one of the worst wide receiving pools uh, in the entire league. Like, their offensive line, which traditionally was okay, uh, has Joe Staley left. Like, Joe Staley's really the only holdover that they have left from what was a good offensive line a couple of years ago. And the tight ends are just generic guys. Like, this is the worst offense in the NFL. And the worst thing is, like, they didn't really, like, draft much for this offense. They haven't added much to this offense that is, like, young or hungry. This is a bunch of cast-offs, mediocre, free agent types who shouldn't be really playing in the NFL anymore. So when you look at that offense, you're going to go, okay, they have to go against the NFC West which has three other elite defenses. They have to go up against the ASC East, where you have at least another set of very good defenses. Six plus four of your, like six plus four, like 10 of your games that you would expect them to lose. And at the other ones, like I don't really see them as challenged them either. Like this is a team that could easily like lay a donut in my opinion. But, you know, to be kind to them, I think they might pick up a few wins, but that's been kind. So Ronan, where do you have them win-loss then? I have them going 2 and 14. Very good. I am not too far behind you. I have them going 3, 12 and 1 with a draw. Because uh, I, I realise none of us have put any draws in and there's always one. 
was a tie, yeah. And now, so, like we said, myself and Ronan, we're relatively in lockstep. We're like three wins, two wins, somewhere in that region. All right, what, what, what are you of them going? So, let me put this way, right. Ronan says that there's ten games. All right, where, where do you of them go? Hang on, I'm <laughs> building up this. There are ten games they're definitely going to lose, right, as Ronan said. But one of those is against the Rams, which is the Rams. They're going to lose. The Rams are going to lose one of the games. So I've been going. I've been going seven and nine, and you can all laugh at me at the end of the season. At least you're. At least you're aware of that fact. <laughs> I actually. I have. I have their. I have their draw against the Rams. <laughs> I think. I, t- I think I took all of the Falcons' wins and gave them to the Niners for no reason. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the next team we're going to look at are the Cardinals, uh, who are on your laptops right now on uh, Amazon. For all or nothing, they've got their own little TV show on the go. Would you um, believe we don't get paid for these plugs? Yeah, no. <laughs> Amazon, pure shite. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember their Super Bowl ad with the with Missy Elliott and Alec Baldwin and that speaker? Oh, I don't know. Oh, it was fucking what awful. Was that about? Like, what the fuck? Here's our ad for a speaker thing. Also, Missy Elliott's dropping an album. Uh, and do you know who doesn't like that album? Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are the kids like these days? Missy Elliott and Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Like got their and on Bluetooth the speakers, that's what they need. Finger on the pulse of popular culture. <laughs> Bluetooth speakers shaped like Alec Baldwin and Missy Elliott. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, so they've got, uh, essentially it's like Hard Knocks, but it's uh, for the season and it's the entire season through uh, last year. So they actually got very lucky in the season they took the Cardinals because it made for very, very, very good watching. Also, they have possibly the coolest coach in the world. I'm sorry, I watched the first two episodes of it online over the weekend and it's very enjoyable. I advise it if you haven't gotten to see it yet. Uh, so Cardinals, great season last year up until the very tail end where they shit the bed something fierce. Uh, ins are Chandler Jones, Nekem DJ, Evan Mathis, outs Dwight Freeney, Rashad Johnson, Bobby Massey. Main questions on this team. This is a team where they have very good young players but a lot of kind of more senior players whose windows are closing on their ability to uh, to actually realise the Super Bowl here. Palmer has been injured previously uh, and missed a large section of the season. Came in last year, had a great season until again he was holding up a couple of injuries towards the tail end. Can he stay healthy for a season because he is a very important part. The drop-off between him and his backup was uh, substantial last year. We're looking at players like Honey Badger, players like this who are very, very good at their position but can also be mercurial, can turn up massively in some games and not turn up in others. I think they have the right mindset. They saw how good they could be last year and I think that will spur them on. That loss at the tail end will spur them on to want to be better next year. If anything, watching the show over the weekend has made me think they have the type of locker room that can thrive on that type of adversity. You know, not real adversity. We're the third best so I, I, can, I can see this team doing very well this season. What about yourself, Ronan? Yeah, no, like I think this is, a, this is an elite team that has a very real chance of winning the Super Bowl this season. Like for me, like in terms of like weaknesses from a, like a roster perspective, like the only reasons is that they have a couple of weaknesses on the offensive line, right tackle and center are a little bit questionable. And then like their cornerback situation is, uh, less, is less good after Patrick Peterson than you might expect. I think they're they're currently planning to play um, Bethel, uh, who is really a replacement level cornerback. But I think the biggest question mark for this team is which Carson Palmer we're going to see. Are we going to see the Carson Palmer 
who ripped up the league during the regular season? Or are we going to see the Carson Palmer who, uh, or like was relatively ineffective in the postseason or towards the end of the regular season as well? Like he had an injury, uh, like I think he had a broken finger. Uh, so you could say that was the issue, but will like we know that Palmer perhaps isn't the strongest mentally, so it's really about whether he can hold up and be the quarterback that they thought he would be and which we thought he was for most of last season. And if he can, this is a Super Bowl contender. If they can't, they should probably still make the off season, but I don't think they'll have enough to push for that ring that uh, Palmer and Fitzgerald and players like that are looking for. Actually, that was the that was the opening um, mantra from the coach uh, for last season. We're here for a Super Bowl ring. We're not here to see a Super Bowl. We're here to see a fucking ring. It was uh, bizarre and also mildly sexual. <laughs> well, uh, Bruce Arians is probably the best coach in the league who hasn't sold a soul. No, who hasn't bought Satan's soul. Yeah, like it, this is this is a very good team. This is one of the best best teams in the league, probably. They've brought in a lot more than they've lost, even as a very good team already. I mean, you say the problems on the O line. To be honest, I think if you get rid of Bobby Massey, you've probably made your O line better. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, huge addition by subtraction. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, there's a huge amount of talent. I've obviously got Evan Matheson. Just, he's very well. He's a, he's a good player. He's obviously a little bit over the hill, but mm. like picking up Chandra Jones by from us, he's a great player. He's going to do so well in that. He's aggressive. He likes. After the quarterback, he's going to fit into that rotation absolutely perfectly. He's, he's going to be a great fit down in Arizona. Um, for what is already a pretty scary pass rush, guys like Clays Campbell and so on in there. Yeah, cornerback, perhaps a concern, but the Cardinals play with like 400 defensive backs who might be corners, might be safeties. You have absolutely no idea what they're doing there. Some of them might just be linebackers. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> impossible to tell what they're doing. Like, so, yeah, it's a concern, but they do so much weird stuff there anyway that it's probably not earth-shattering, and they've got a huge amount of depth to work through. Uh, there, like we've seen them talk, t- talking about playing Matthew Moore at corner, and they did that a bit last season. So, if yeah. it works, it works. Offensively, yeah, okay, yeah. Larry Fitz is probably on the downside of his career. We've been saying that for God knows how long at this point. Um, but yeah, it's incredibly productive when he moved inside last exactly, year. Exactly. Yeah, they're finding new ways to utilize him, and then you, even that, you've got Floyd, you've got Brown, you've got the other Brown, you've got that JJ Nelson kid who's like mm. weighs 150 pounds and goes 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Like, there's David so much. Johnson. Dave, I was I was getting to that. Yes, <laughs> David Johnson. Like they're, they're talking him up now, and the second coming of the Damian Thomas and all this. But he looked amazing oh, as a rookie. Something else. He's like... so good. And then even then, you've got veteran guys like uh, Chris Johnson, Andre Ellington, who can do various different things, complementary, although can really only do one thing at this point. And yeah, okay, Palmer. There are still question marks, but if you can hold together, Grant. And, like, Drew Stanton isn't bad. Yeah, there's a drop-off. And Drew Stanton is, like, the only 32-year-old quarterback of the future in the league, like. But he went over the last stretch of games he played. He went 5-3, and three, which isn't amazing. But it's, like, from a backup, that's that's good. That's that's about as good as you're going to get from a backup. Like, this team is, is poised to do very, very well again. But there are frailties. And the question is, is can... They mask those and play around those, or are those pieces going to crack? And this is a team that, with the age of players and with the um, what we've seen as their stars being injury-prone over the last few seasons, you're always worried, as Ronan says, that something's going to go wrong, somebody's going to get hurt, and the wheels are going to fall off a little bit, and they're not going to be at the level to get through through the playoffs, um, while they're definitely going to still be at the level to get to them. And that's where the question really is for Arizona. It's how far can they go, and how long can they keep everyone healthy, and everyone playing at a high level, and how much can they rely on their backups, which they will probably have to do at some point to push them up that extra step, because they are a very well-organized, 
very talent rich and very very well coached team no of course so with that in mind what's your win loss for them Harry I have them going 12-4 and four. Um, I do have those problems catching up with them and them getting eliminated in the divisional round fair enough I have them going 12-4 and four as well and uh, I have them winning this division now just, just, just to bear in mind as well you might, some of the listeners might get mildly confused Harry has actually done his predictions all the way up to the Super Bowl whereas myself and Fitz have just done our season predictions uh, I'm going 11-5 Okay, fair tied enough. for the division lead. Oh, okay, very good. And who 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 wins it on tiebreaker? Uh, well, we won't spoil that. <laughs> I wonder which of the two teams is going to be tied uh, with them. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we we wrote the Niners losses in the wins column. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ronan now has the Niners going fourteen and two. <laughs> the next team we're going to look at are the newly of Los Angeles Rams, or returning of Los Angeles Rams. I suppose is fair. Additions, Jared Goff, Dominic Easley, Farrow Cooper, which is a badass name. Uh, losses, Janaris Jenkins, Nick Fairley, James Laurinaitis. Uh, I suppose questions for this team. How is their top pick going to go job? Uh, is he going to be able to perform? Bright lights in the big city. Are they going to be able to get the support they're looking for? They've managed to sell nearly all of their... Their target was something like, uh, I think, 60,000, 70,000 season tickets. They've managed to nearly sell all those already. So that's looking good for the support element that they were looking for. Uh, this is a team who have an excellent defense put together, as we've seen over the last couple of years, but we're never able to get it going on offense. They've added last year an exceptional running back in Todd Gurley. Let's see if he can continue to prosper. That is a great scenario for a fresh quarterback to be coming into where you have that strong run game. Uh, But the question is, with Jeff Fisher at the helm, who, as we've mentioned before, is clearly only at the helm because he has dirt on the rest of the NFL, (laughs) um, can they go anything other than 7-9? and Uh, I think 7-9 and might cut it for them this season, to not have wholesale changes. Uh, I don't think it's what they want. I think they expect a bit more and they're looking for a bit more. But at this stage, if you look at it and say, moving moving cities, not even in their own proper stadium yet, new quarterback and all that kind of stuff, I could see them continuing this fecking Jeff Fisher bullshit for another year afterwards, uh, even if they only get 7-9. and nine. I think this is a team that has a huge amount of upside, but I'm always very wary of saying... Uh, a young quarterback is going to come in like the league on fire and do a load of stuff in their first year. I don't think they're going to need to ask him to do all that much in this first year. Uh, like I said, because they have the complimentary running game there and because they have the strong defense. But whether or not they're going to try to do more than possibly they need to with him. So I have them having a fairly decent season, settling themselves in, establishing themselves with or re-establishing themselves with the fan base there. Uh, And like I said, I'll go into the details at the end. Yeah, it's interesting. I would be inclined to disagree with you on one thing, which is I don't think 7-9 cuts in LA. I think there's going to be high expectations. I think they're going to need to want to try and win over the fan base. I think LA sports fans are perhaps not the most patient or used to failure from their teams, which like there, there's a lot of, um, I think, sort of psychological pressure in that sort of inverted commas way on this team to succeed there because it is a big move and this is the, this is the marquee move. Wherever another team moves to, LA is the big place. It's the, always been that sort of sore spot for the NFL when they haven't had a team there. There's a lot of pressure to not only be the LA franchise, but to be a successful LA franchise that can actually stick around in LA. Pressure more on the coaching staff than on the players, but I'm pretty sure Jeff Fisher is the kind of guy who will uh, put that pressure onto the players. <laughs> I'm not sure what they've done to change the team is my big takeaway with them. 
Um, they've added a few nice bits and bobs on the defense. Yes, they've taken Jared Goff, which is obviously the big hope. But like you say, it's a lot to put on a rookie quarterback, particularly with the LA move in his first season. So I think if he's fine, he's fine, great, and that'll be fine for him personally, even if it's disappointing for the team. Um, you know, I think he, he, he'll need time to grow, presumably. Because uh, if, if he doesn't, if he if he starts struggling, he's in trouble. The options there, you're, you're down to your falls and your keenum, and that's that's pretty grim. Obviously, it helps they've got Todd Gurley, who looks amazing. He's definitely one of the top five running backs in the league. He's got potential to become possibly the best running back in the league if he keeps playing the way he played last season. Looks like an absolutely incredible player. But prob- the big problem for the Rams is that they couldn't move the ball through the air last season, and I'm not sure what they've actually done to fix that. Maybe this Farrow Cooper-, Cooper kid will turn out to be as awesome as his name, but we're looking at the same guys. We're looking at your Kenny Britts, your Tavon Austins, Brian Quick, etc. Like guys who we know just aren't that good. Uh, they've got rid of um, uh, Jared Cook, who was, while obviously a massive distraction through his attitude problems, was definitely the most talented tight end on the team, yeah. uh, in spite of his, his, his questionable hands. Yes, the defense is still amazing. Yes, you've got your Aaron Donalds, Alec Ogletree in the linebacking core. And you have a lot of like very, very talented players there. They've got you know Akeem Ayers. It's going to be very interesting how Mark Barron does an outside linebacker as well. Like There's lots of like things going on there. Now, they have lost some guys in the secondary, which is yeah. a little concern. So I'm not sure the defense has got stronger. I don't know if it's necessarily got that much weaker, but I don't know if it's good. I don't think it's got stronger. And I don't think the offense has moved. And I think they're relying on Goff playing very well, and they're relying on Gurley to do a hell of a lot. And what we saw last season was that as much as you can rely on Todd Gurley to do a hell of a lot, you cannot win a game just with a fantastic running back. There's a, there's a cap to how far that can get you. And we've seen it with other teams, and I think we saw it with Gurley. No matter how well he played, it doesn't matter if the rest of the offense can't move the ball. You can't just hand it off to a running back three times and assume he's going to pick up 10 yards over the three carries, no matter how good he is. I see this as being another Jeff Fisher spinning his wheel season. I'm just not sure what has changed. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I can see exactly where you're coming from. What about yourself, Fitz? Yeah, I pretty much agree with it. This is probably going to be the grimmest team to watch all of next season. It's going to be a team that just grinds you down and it uses attrition to win games. Uh, you know, and then you know, Todd Gurley is exciting enough that you might get something interesting out of that. But this isn't an exciting team; it's an attritional team that's going to rely on defense to such an exceptional level. Uh, and Jared Goff hasn't been given the weapons to really make them into anything more than that. It's going to be the same team now, except you have Jared Goff instead of Nick Foles uh, and Case Keenum. This is the thing, though. Like I, I've, I, I, I get entirely. It's not going to be traditionally the fun to watch games, although. Like I've I've always got a soft spot for that kind of football because it's the kind of football that the Chiefs played for a very long time <laughs> of just like good running back, like good defense, fuck all in the passing game, uh, and like just grind them down. I think, but this is and this is the element that I was saying that I think might put undue pressure on them towards the back end is that like because of the fact that that is not what the average fan wants to see and that's not what's going to excite people. At least not normal people. It'll excite me sometimes. Uh, but I'm fucked up. You and Mike uh, Ditka singing in a dark room. Like. Uh, <laughs> me, me, me and Buddy Ryan agree on some things. <laughs> but yeah, that like it, it might have that kind of element of you need to start giving the fans something because you have to establish yourself here. Especially and, with that new face of the franchise, QB. Yeah, and he's a local boy as well. Yeah. Like it's it's it, it, it could go very bad very quickly if they start to put pressure. Uh, so I suppose the only thing, and the one thing that Fisher might be good at because he's clearly been good at it so far is not listening to people <laughs> yeah, also when you say like oh yeah how, how are they going to handle it like with pressure like Jeff Fisher is not perhaps known for his people management skills yeah it's true it's true <laughs> so I suppose we we'll keep... don't give a fuck <laughs> so we'll go uh, 
in very surprising fashion. Ronan, what is your call for their win-loss this year? 7-9. and nine. Harry, what's your call for your win-loss? Shockingly, it's 7-9. It's and nine. Oh, boys, I have an exciting call here. I have them going 8, 7, and 1. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Doubt me now. Make fun of me later. <laughs> And like I, signing one win difference. <laughs> well, one and a half wins, really. Hey, Jeff Fisher goes over 500. I mean, come on, guys. That's the throwback. That's like Houston Oilers shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I suppose then the next team, uh, the one that I think one of our members is definitely going to want to talk about a lot about, is uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So additions, Rawls Graham, uh, Jermaine Afedi, and Jared Reed. Losses, Marshawn Lynch is obviously... Russell Okun is gone, Bruce Irving is gone. This is a team, perennial contenders of the last, what, three, four years, kind of been up there and around, been to the Super Bowl once or twice. They've lost a lot of what that team was in the loss of Marshawn Lynch, but we saw a lot out of Rawls before he got injured, and could he possibly be the person to come in and take up that mantra? He definitely was able to for those games when uh, when Lynch went out before he was injured. We saw a big step up from uh, Russell Wilson at the tail end of last season. Well, not even the tail end, for, for a good half of the season last year, where he was a pocket passer, he was delivering excellent, excellent passes. They've just signed... Doug Baldwin to a $46 million, $26 million guaranteed contract, keeping their most efficient uh, pass catcher with them. He had an excellent rapport uh, during the season at the back half. I think he was the top uh, top touchdown scorer for the back half of the season and very close to for the season itself. So there's a lot still going on on this offense and it's in ways that we aren't normally expecting to see it from the Seahawks. Again, the defense is there. It's quite strong, but they've lost some pieces. They've brought in Brandon Browner for some fucking reason. Uh, like they just they they just wanted to see a few more flags. They're like, oh, I forgot my flags look like. Oh, that's it. Ah, oh, shit. Why did we sign him? Um, but like, this is a team that I think is going to compete. Is going to be good. But the question is. With the change of identity to more of a passing team, to the loss of beast mode, to the change away from it being such a defense-focused team, is this a transition they can make immediately, or is this a transition that is going to maybe delay them for a year? They'll still be good, but they won't have fully settled into it until afterwards. Uh, I'm going to go to you on this, Fitz, obviously, because it's uh, it's your boys. La- the second half of last season showed that they can do that. The only question is whether the massive changes, surgery that they've done to the O-line in the off-season uh, will disrupt that or not. They've Basically, every single player on the offensive line will either be new or in a different position than they were playing last season. So, uh, Justin Britt, their left guard last season, is now their centre. Their right tackle is now their left tackle. Uh, Glowinski, who played one game last season, is now their right guard. And their right tackle is now uh, Jamarcus Webb. Uh, whatever you want to make of that. And if Eddie is expected to play uh, uh, right guard. Sorry, uh, Lewinsky plays left guard. So if that offensive line can gel, it doesn't need to be good. Like the Seahawks offensive line has never been good uh, since it went on this run over the last four years. But if it can be average from the start rather than absolutely crap as it was at the beginning of last season, then we have seen that Russell Wilson can t- has, owns this offense now and that he has the weapons, especially if, if Graham comes back uh, as the player we know he can be, to absolutely devastate the league. I think this could be the season that we see Russell Wilson go from being uh, considered a good, effective, efficient quarterback to being one of the elite quarterbacks, like in the running with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, those type of players. Joe Flacco. <laughs> 
and dispel those remaining doubts. The defense, the core is still there. They lost Bruce Irvin. Other than that, everyone's coming back. They brought back Brandon Branner primarily so he could just like shove tight ends down before they score touchdowns on us. They're probably playing more dime defense where Brandon Branner's job is basically just stop tight ends. And he's good at the line of scrimmage still. You know, just don't rely on it after that. But wasn't it always after that that was the problem? Well, the problem is that they, did, they didn't have anyone to disrupt the tight end at the line of scrimmage because mm. they didn't have... Uh, a, like didn't have a cornerback who could physically measure up to them. Like there's very few players who can physically measure up to uh, tight ends at the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's what Brandon Brown has been brought into for that situation. Like I think the defense, all the core is still there, and there's less disruption now. There's no Cam Chancellor holdout. There's no Michael Bennett holdout likely to come based on what we're hearing so far. So there won't be any disruption on that end. So if that defense can return to what it was two seasons ago, and if Russell Wilson takes off. This is still a Super Bowl contender, and I have very high hopes for this season uh, with those pieces in place. There's a, a few things that need to go right. Fetty needs, like the offensive line needs to work out, and Jaron Reed in the centre of the defensive line, uh, if he can live up to his reputation, will be it will be very useful. But I see no reason why this can't be a team that challenges and to win the NFC West and indeed challenge all the way to the Super Bowl. No, of course. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, I think that's, that's fairly that's fairly uh, fairly comprehensive. Look at it. Perhaps a little optimistic, uh, but I think generally. No, pretty pretty fair. Obviously, questions there are still, like Jimmy Graham, what conditions is he going to come back in? But I, I've been writing my notes on my hand for this one, uh, which actually is the first time I've had notes in a long time. Uh, other people have been talking, and my first notes for the Seahawks just says, Jamarcus Webb, LOL, because that's going to be very interesting to see how that particular aspect of the O-line holds up. I think, Connor, you are probably uh, intimately familiar with uh, Jamarcus Webb's quality as oh, a... Uh, something tackle. else. Yeah, he's, he's certainly something else all right. But no, as Ronan says, the core is still there. Big parts of the defense, like guys like, you know, KJ Wright, uh, Bobby Wagner is still there, Bennett, uh, Abel. It brought back um, Chris Clemens from his not-so-successful run in Jacksonville, so it'd be interesting to see if he can, again, work better and clearly a scheme that was much more suited to his talents than what he encountered out there. Two things just to, to, to build on what Ronan said, because I really have nothing particularly new. One of them is just a uh, note with Brandon Browner. I think... You're yeah, like Red says, he's not really. I don't think he's going to really be playing the cornerback role. You're going to look at him as being kind of that sort of dime back box safety, almost like box linebacker kind of yeah. hybrid thing to cover tight ends and jam at the line of scrimmage. I don't can't see them playing outside, particularly with obviously Sherman and and, and Lane, who has been very 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 good for the Seahawks um, over the last few seasons. The other thing that I think is actually quite the one to watch is the running game because when I was like Thomas Rawls and he looked great last season. Um, there's a lot of um, obviously, your boy is there, Christine Michael. Christine! Yeah, but uh, I think the one to watch is uh, CJ Procis. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. The rookie, uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, hype, I think, behind him. People saying that he could actually be the one who wins the starting job. So that's going to be a real one to watch in training camp. But the main takeaway from that is that even with Lynch gone, they've got options, and that is never a bad thing to have if they turn out to have three quite talented running backs and Christian Michael <laughs> in there. So, no, yeah, this is going to be a hard team to yeah, beat. Because he's not a quite talented running back. He's the greatest running <laughs> yeah, back. the greatest running back of all time. Uh, it's going to be a tough team to beat. The defense is still monstrous in a, in a lot of ways. It's still really strong up front. They've still got good DBs. Middle linebacker is a bit of a question, but the way they play, it's not a huge aspect of the way the team plays. We also generally have like guys like Wright and so on sliding in there. The offense... We We've seen it can adapt, we've seen it can work, we've seen Russell Wilson can play different ways, we saw that rapport with Baldwin, his passer rating to Doug Baldwin in the second half of the season was insane. Yeah, he had the highest highest rating uh, to passing to Doug Baldwin. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously he had the highest rating of all quarterbacks no, passing to Doug Baldwin. When he was <laughs> passing yeah. to Doug Baldwin, he has the highest rating exactly. within the league. Exactly, it's the highest uh, QBWR. So things look, look good for Seattle, but 
Again, the big question is the O-line. So we'll see, but they certainly have potential to be incredibly good and at the floor still be very good. So Harry, how have you got them win-losses? I have them 10-6, and six, mostly because I'm not sold in the O-line. If that gels, that prediction will go out the window and they'll do a lot better and probably getting eliminated in the divisional round. Yeah, I have them going 11-5, and five, coming second in the division, but getting through as a wild card. And Ronan, you have them... 11-5, and five, so they'll be... I haven't decided which one will actually win the division, but uh, like it'll be a tie at the top of the NFC West with the Cardinals. Oh, my. But yeah, so that was good. Uh, so, yeah, so interesting enough. Strong enough final division coming out there, especially with the resurgence of the 49ers, according to Harry. God, it's 7-9. Uh, <laughs> like, it's not like I'm saying they're going to win it. I saw the bottom of the division. Yeah, you've got them tied with the Rams. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Rams will probably lose to the Niners. Like, they're the Rams. Mm. But, um, actually, yeah, that was what you said. You said they were going to win one of them against At them. least one. But, um, but, yeah, no, that was good. So, uh, I suppose the next one we're going to be looking at uh, will be AFC South and the AFC West, which will be interesting. I think the AFC West is going to be incredibly competitive this year. Mm. Which is, uh, well, that's exactly AFC what I want to hear. <laughs> um, the AFC South's got all the, the changes. Yeah. Might not be the worst division of football anymore. We'll see. We'll have to discuss that next yeah. time. Uh, so any crack yourselves, boys? Any crack for the weekend or anything? Nothing too exciting planned. Yeah. I'm getting into the deep summer now, so I just need to plan uh, something. Oh, hang on. What? Hang on a minute. What? It's my birthday in a week. Less than a week. Okay. Fuck, I forgot about that. Good. There you go. <laughs> this is what I'll be doing next week, and I'll have to organise... Fuck, I have to organise a party. <laughs> Party. Shit, Harry's gone. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. I completely forgot about my birthday. I have to do it. I probably have to do it the weekend after. Mm. Oh shit! I'm gonna be 27. That's scary. Oh, I don't, what was it like, Connor? Was it was it a good year? Ah, yeah, it was. It's it's a lot of pressure though because you have to die of a horrendous <laughs> drug overdose, or else you'll never be a rock star. I reckon I can pull it off. Uh, and then everyone just comes back and discovers your uh, your 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 back catalogue, and they're like, "Oh, these are really good." Um, <laughs> That's how we'll get the podcast to go uh, go global. Yeah. yeah. We have to murder Harry in the next 12 months. <laughs> or no, we just have to force feed him drugs until he dies. Jesus Christ. Actually, no, it's grand. We can just shoot you in the head with a shotgun, uh, write a suicide note, and then pretend you killed yourself. Oh, thanks, Courtney, love. <laughs> and everyone will be like, it's just not the same with Ian back, you know? He's just not as good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite depressed. I'm going to miss the... Uh, I'm, I'm just... I'm missing Count Demo to my trip to Africa, which mm-hmm. is going to be good fun. Uh, that's like 20 days away or so same amount of days as my trip to Canada yeah be good fun leaving leaving Ronan by himself unsupervised we're going to come back and there's going to be jizz everywhere (laughs) that's a callback joke and a half like (laughs) like episode 7 probably yeah it's just a coincidence you're both leaving around the same time then yeah yeah that's it yeah in opposite directions like conspiracy it is Conspiracy. fucking triangles everywhere, man. Illuminati. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, if you go between like Canada and Tanzania and Ireland, it does make a triangle because it has three points. So mm. there you go. That is true. So it is. Go ahead. Honestly, the college game coming to the Aviva is probably more trouble than the NS, considering that's gone to arbitration at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's um, that they're they 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 seem to reckon it's going to get sorted because they're making a big push on sales this week. I was very pissed off actually because they're doing a thing if you buy your tickets this week you get entered into a draw for a load of free shit. Ah oh, shit. And I was just like I was popping a message onto the thing and I was like lads we got our tickets well in advance you can only fuck us like. Yeah. But Here, it might be interesting do you, want, do you want to just run through why there's an arbitration on that uh, thing because I was sort of half following it but I'm not I'm not yeah, sure exactly so what's going on. It's a pr- it's I know I haven't read anything about this in a little while but I believe it's a 
So they have to get it signed off by the body for American football in Ireland, which is the IAFA, I believe. Um, yeah. And to do that, they had to. The IAFA had to give them a deposit to put towards legal costs or something along these lines, which was meant to be refunded to them once everything got sorted out. The guys decided that they weren't going to give it back to them yet uh, because they were questioning whether they needed to in the first place or something along these lines. Basically getting pissy by giving them back 10 grand. This is not a big organisation. I think their their turnover last year was somewhere in the region like 35 grand. Um, oh. but, this is, but this is the thing. So they then said that, uh, well, we don't need you. Uh, the NCAA have signed off on this and said, well, one, the NCAA don't have jurisdiction and two, they haven't. Uh, so basically, there's a load of dick measuring over this stuff and like just people acting the shite to each other. So I think they're currently discussing because there was deadlines for stuff to be filed, and that money was for the filing of that stuff, and they haven't been filed or something along those lines, isn't it, Ronan? Yeah, basically, the like thing is like the event has been organising by uh, not by NCA directly, but by uh, a company called Irish American Events Limited. Uh, which is like an Irish company itself. So I think it's there's probably some shenanigans going on there with that intermediary as much as with the NCAA. Yeah. So it's, got, it's gone into arbitration at this point. Uh, but I think, you know, if, if things go wrong enough, hopefully the government will intervene and, and somewhat, like, hopefully this shouldn't affect it. But there was problems with that as well because basically the guy, so last time it was held in Croke Park, this time it's being held in the Aviva, and the, the GAA Croke Park people came out and were complaining because there's already been about I think a hundred grand promised to this event by the government and said you sure only gave us 15 when it was in Croker or something uh, so there's a bit of shite going on with that so I'd say there's, there's lots of moving parts in it it will get sorted because it's all arranged and there's too much money coming off the, it tonight. the Croker game was, was not a good idea though in fairness it was two teams nobody cared about like it was Penn State who were basically a cult but didn't travel that much and uh, one of the one of the UCF uh, so we got to watch Christian Hackenberg derp around for a while. Yes, it was and it Tyler it was Eifert? Very, I'm not sure it was, no. But the, remember, they, they couldn't sell close to, come close to selling out Croke Park. It was too big. Ah, yeah. So it was a mess. But yeah, this is um, this is a combination of, oh, it's just this type of business is done in Ireland. Like, yeah, like this is better teams, a smaller venue, so it will sell out. Like there's 50, about, 5, yeah, like, like 30,000 of a difference in the capacities in yeah. these stadiums, so... This will be much better. Uh, this one has got also a lot more range, like the Notre Dame Navy game. This yeah, has like game. this has um, high school games and stuff coming over on the Friday and the Saturday beforehand. A load of fan rally stuff going on. Large large events surrounding it, much more so than there was previously. So uh, it should work out quite nicely. But I'm looking forward to that now. That's going to be fun. That goes ahead, yeah. Yeah, I'll go ahead. <laughs> you know, it's not fucking what's his name, Cowboy Boy. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Get Garth Brooks to the halftime entertainment. That'll really Oh, that's what I'm doing this Saturday. I'm going to chill out in the back garden because uh, I live beside Crow Park and Beyonce's playing there on Saturday. Oh, very good. <laughs> might pop over. Yeah, we might just swing yeah, into one of the pubs for a pint. You get perfect sound out there as well. Perfect. But yeah, thanks very much for listening, guys. Like I said, we'll be back next week with AFC West and South. Hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, and all that kind of stuff if you have any questions or ideas or shit like that. And yeah, sure, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.